welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host, and we're talking about mergers and acquisitions today. Double header episode for you today because, you know, uh, I didn't release one yesterday, so I wanted to make it up to you today by doing a double header. Let's go ahead and talk about purchase agreements. The question today is, walk me through a purchase agreement. Walk me through a purchase agreement. Well, first of all, what is a purchase agreement? A purchase agreement is a legal document that binds the buyer and a seller of a business to complete the transaction. Let's say that you've done your analysis, you've figured out the enterprise value, you've negotiated, you've figured everything out, and the agreement is now actually being made between buyer and seller. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need some legal paperwork to actually make this thing happen. And one of those pieces of paperwork is called the purchase agreement. Now, legal documents, if you've ever seen them before, or you have any familiarity with the law, it can get pretty complicated pretty quickly. (laughs) But there are several aspects of these purchase agreements that are worth noting. So I want to take a few minutes to go through these with you now so you understand them. Number one is the purchase price. Very simply, how much is the deal for? What's the dollar amount? So that's number one. Number two is what's called the consideration. We talked about this many episodes ago, but just as a reminder, consideration tells us the ratio as far as the allocation of what's being used to pay for the deal. What's the currency here? What is the cash to debt to stock allocation here? So some deals are all stock, some deals are all cash, some deals have a mixture of cash and stock or debt and stock. It just depends. Number three is the transaction structure. So this is similar to consideration in terms of how we're allocating resources to purchase the business, but the transaction structure includes the nuances of the actual transaction. So for example, this could be an asset sale, asset purchase, It could be a sale of stock, AKA the company, or it could be a 338 H10 IRS type of transaction, which is something that we covered back in episode 226 just a few days ago. So those kinds of considerations are also in the purchase agreement. And then the fourth thing is employee retention. Have you ever had to sign a contract when you left a job that you weren't going to compete in the same industry or the same line of business for a certain period of time? Well, if so, this is called a non-compete clause or non-compete agreement. And in purchase agreements for buying and selling companies, you might see this type of legal language as well. Are there non-solicit or non-compete agreements that should be at play here? And this is entirely dependent on the business situation and the the capital that's at risk, the human capital that's at risk. So it really just depends. But that's something that you can also think about because some companies might not want their employees competing directly against them as soon as the company is sold. And they just, they leave the company, they quit because they didn't like the fact that the company was sold and they, they open up shop next door, so to speak. So that's something that is a potential risk for the value of a business. Number five, representations and warranties. This is the one 
in this whole list that I'm going through today that I was the least familiar with before studying it. And representations and warranties are frankly this. They are the terms of the contract that are used to allocate risk. It's really about allocating risk as opposed to just kind of not talking about things. And it, it's like bringing to light all of the things that a buyer would need to know. So it's kind of like when you purchase a home or purchase a house. If you purchase a house, you want to do your due diligence to make sure that everything is good, that the structure is sound, that it's a good place to live in terms of the physical comfort, the materials are, are of high quality, it's on a strong foundation, and you find those things out through an inspection. Well, it's similar when one company buys another. The company does due diligence in order to make sure that they understand what the risks of the business are, all of the idiosyncrasies of it. So when we're talking about representations and warranties, we're talking about the fact that the seller is going to assert what they believe to be accurate and true about the state of the business so that there are no surprises, no major surprises to the buyer once the deal closes. And it's a little bit tricky, but let's go ahead and dig into it for a minute to understand this a little bit better. So it goes beyond the numbers. I mean, we know that the buyer is going to know the enterprise value. They're going to know the equity value, all of these things. It's the qualitative things that matter too. And here's a couple of examples. Number one is lawsuits. <laughs> Does the company have any pending lawsuits against it that need to be disclosed? I mean, how terrible would it be if you went and purchased a business thinking everything was fine and then you found out after you purchased the business that the seller didn't disclose that they were being sued and that they were under threat of losing major assets of the business or maybe the entire business and the seller now is off with their with your money and you are now left with this problem to deal with. So we need to have these things be disclosed. <laughs> these things need to be in writing. And so that's another reason this, this section is important is you need to understand all of the risks. So pending lawsuits, litigation, definitely important. Another thing is you want to know the capital structure of the business. How many shares of the company have been authorized? How many shares have been issued? What about the preferred stock? Is there any preferred stock at all? And does the company pay dividends? We want to understand the ins and outs of the financial structure of this business. Sometimes that's present in the financial statements, but you also want to spell these kinds of things out too in this section. You also might want to look at just the very basic legal structure of the business. So where is this company incorporated? Is it incorporated in the state of New York? Is it incorporated in the state of Texas, in the state of Illinois, somewhere else? in a different country? What about the legal jurisdictions that the company operates in? So a company may be incorporated in the state of Texas, but maybe it primarily operates in Tennessee or Illinois, for example. These are things that are important to understand from the buyer's perspective. So those are some things that kind of comprise this representations and warranty section, which I think is pretty important. And then another part of the purchase agreement that I want to touch on is a no shop or go shop clause. And this is really all about exclusivity. When I say 
no shop and go shop. I mean, can the seller shop this deal around to other potential buyers or do they have to stay exclusive to this buyer? And I think that this depends on the situation, but of course, if there's a highly contested deal, the potential buyers are not going to want other potential buyers to even have a chance to look at the deal because they really, really want it. While in other situations, maybe they don't care as much. Maybe they are thinking about the deal kind of passively, but they're not super, super serious about it. So I think that this just depends, but this is something that can be explained in the contract itself as well. So those are some of the major parts of a purchase agreement. I mean, these things are, from my understanding, going to actually be drafted by lawyers, but investment bankers need to understand them because they have very big implications in terms of the value that's being transferred between a buyer and a seller. So you and I, we need to understand these things. So those are some of the key items. Okay, I hope you had a great time listening to this. That's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason, your host, coming at you again with another another episode, another round of technicals, and we're going to keep on going. We're um, getting through some of the more advanced M&A questions, and I'll see you with another one next time. Have a great day. (laughs) 